Hello, and welcome to the podcast, The Things That Shape Us. I'm your host, John, and in this episode, I'm talking with Michael McGill. We talk about music, tech, and of course, mindfulness and stoicism. It's a missed opportunity if you chat with Michael and you don't talk about stoicism. So I hope you enjoy the conversation. Michael, thank you so much for agreeing to come on the podcast and have a chat with me. You want to do a quick intro of yourself for us, please? Yeah, John, thanks for having me. Mike McGill, uh, by day, uh, I am a CIO for a healthcare organization here in Cleveland, Ohio. Been in tech for 20 plus years. You know, great career, very blessed to have kind of uh I guess tech kind of found me a little bit, but eternally grateful that it did have had a, a really great, rewarding career. Um, but yeah, been in tech for a while by night. Um, Mike, the dad and husband of uh, got my beautiful wife, April, a couple of kids, Trevor and Katie, uh, and a, a lover of all kinds of weird assorted things. Sounds good. Sounds good. No, so now you've mentioned that, I'm curious, what sort of weird assorted things are you into? <laughs> well, I have to ask. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, like we all are. I guess I probably didn't totally not too weird. Um, but, you know, I like to read, uh, like stoicism a lot. So I read a lot of philosophy, mm. uh, picked up some new philosophy over the weekend. So I guess maybe that makes me a little bit different. It's like my, uh, like my favorite reading now is philosophy. Um, but yeah, love stoicism just to hang out, do a lot of things with my family. I know we're going to chat about music a little bit, love music. Um, certainly not any, any kind of accomplished music musician by any stretch of the imagination, imagination, but love music, uh, you know, sports. I've, I've been re- I'm born and raised in Cleveland, still live here, a huge fan of Cleveland sports and everything. Go Browns. They just won yesterday. That was a big win. Um, oh, so cool. yeah, just like all of us, a bunch of different interests. Yeah. Awesome. So yeah, speaking of music, I mean, that's one of the things that interests me and made me decide to do the podcast is whether you're a musician or not, music plays such a big part in people's lives in different ways and it impacts you. There's all sorts of things. So maybe you could say a little bit about what role music has played in your life and maybe how it's changed at different stages, if you want. Yeah. Music is, music's awesome. I don't nothing can kind of pull out certain emotions from you or just kind of just speak to you in kind of a blend of different ways like mm-hmm. music. Um, yeah, I've been a huge fan of music my whole life, still a big fan of music. Uh, um, you know, it's a, you know, it changes, evolves over time. Um, but yeah, I've always been a huge fan of music. You know, back in the pre-digital days, I still have it down in the basement, like the big CD club. Like I've been around enough through the different physical, you know, I still remember getting like my first albums. Um, right. It's Hard by The Who was like my first album. But even like, I remember like the 45, you would just like get the 45 and then you would get the album and then evolved right. into cassettes and I had my cassette collection that evolved into CDs and I still have my CD collection down in the basement. Like one of these days I got to do something with these CDs. They're just sitting here where it's all digital now. We're in, we're in a digital realm, but um, yeah, music has always uh, just been a, a big part of my, of, of my life and uh, love music. Yeah. 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 That's a good point about how it's changed. I remember. So when I was a kid, my parents had the the record player and it also had the eight deck players. Oh yeah. The eight track, eight track players, man. That was, yeah, there was, it was the eight track had their little bit of a, a kind of a, 
their their reign there before cassettes took over. But yeah, I remember my very first component stereo system I had when I was a kid had it had an eight track player in it. Yeah, yeah. And then I remember up Walkman, and then I remember oh. when it transitioned to CDs. But the great thing to me about which I kind of miss now, both cassettes and CDs. Um, you know, you, you get the physical material, that's yeah, fine. But yeah. then the, the pamphlet, you open it up and you can look at, oh, who wrote this? Who uh, was the producer? Like you end up learning and, and sometimes they'll be like, oh, this is, you know, credited to this artist or this song was inspired by this artist and you discover other music that way, which, I mean, you can do nowadays. It's just different, but it's not quite the same interaction. And maybe I've, I mean, unless, um, except like if, uh, the indie music scene, like some of those, right. um, like local scenes, some of them will retain that. Um, but outside of that, like mainstream, it's not quite the same. No, I'm with it's you. All I'm, with, I'm with you through that kind of um, through that evolution from albums to and I, albums. Probably like the album art was probably like maybe the yeah. the quintessential like interact and, and visceral kind of experience that you would have with your music uh, or physical experience that you would have kind of with that interacting with the medium that that music yeah. uh, came across on. But I remember, John, I think it was Tuesday. I may not be remembering the right day. For some reason, my brain is telling me Tuesday. It was like the day that like new albums would drop. Uh, it was That's a familiar. It was a day of the week. I can't remember why, but it was, it's, yeah. if I'm remembering right. But you would like go up to the record store and like be all fired up, like Pearl Jam Vitology is about to drop. Yeah. And you would like go up and you would buy it. Literally, like almost like you'd be sitting in the food court, just open, like you'd be at the record den up at the mall, buy it. And then just, yeah. And you like, you get home or you'd be in the food court, you just open it up and just start, you know, look, if it was that CD, open it up and kind of page through the booklet or like cassettes, they'll like unfold like 12 times, like all that stuff they would try to put yeah. into, the, uh, into the cassette case. But yeah you're right very much of that kind of uh physical interaction with it which i i'm with you i kind of i miss that a little bit too and one thing i admit that's different too is back in the day when you would get it on albums and stuff like that it's like audiophile like i had friends that would have like really great stereo systems and you try to get like the best speakers um i mean it was all about like you put on like dark side of the moon by pink floyd and people will be like showing off their like their setups you know their you know their right. you know all the you know their stereo systems and now i mean i got like a little bluetooth speaker right here like i mean in digital music like I, you don't like the the quality i guess maybe with your earbuds and, and what you wear maybe you, you'll pull through some of that quality a little bit more but it's like less, it seems like less concern about like the overall listening experience on digital than it used to be on physical medium. Yeah, that's a good point. I think, uh, I think it was last year for like Christmas was my birthday or something. Uh, my wife actually got me some um, headphones, you know, uh, uh, Bluetooth headphones. Right. Um, but it had been a while. I've been using like phone speakers or small speakers right. or these types of headbuds, which aren't really as good. And then I put those on and I could hear so much more, yeah, yeah. So, so much more immersive. I was like, oh, I kind of missed this. But yeah, like you said, you used to have the good speakers and it was just, it was just a different experience, right. almost a vis visceral, almost physical, even though Technically, I don't know if you could call it physical, but it felt, you know, you feel. Well, like I think that, 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 that physical medium anchored you maybe a little bit to that yeah. emotional yeah. experience that the music would take you on. I mean, you sit there and listen to it and have like your album or your, your CD booklet or something with you while you were listening to it and just maybe yeah. kind of enrich the experience a little bit. Yeah. I think we can take that for granted sometimes how, 
adding in the physical component in some way, how that enriches the experiences. Cause even outside of music, so like studying, you know, they'll talk about like people who will actually do handwritten notes, even if they don't review the handwritten notes later, just the fact that they've taken the time to physically do that, it engages a different part of the brain. So I wonder if it was kind of similar like that, oh, touching the, the, the covers and flipping through that. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think the more senses that get involved, kind of maybe the 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 deeper the experience goes. But totally what you said too. Like I I got through college on that mechanism of writing my notes down. Just that for me, um, that is what would help me remember it. Just that physically writing it down. Just something in that experience, kind of again connecting the physical experience to a mental experience was. yeah, something that I, I totally did all through my schooling just to remember stuff. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So I'm curious, you know, now we're almost two years into the pandemic, so which has changed all sorts of things for us. I'm wondering, how's your interaction with music, if it's changed over that period? I, yeah, definitely. So I think it's it's changed in the environment that I listen to it. So pre-pandemic, you know, so you, you, you see me, I'm in my home office here, uh, extra yeah. bedroom we have that I've kind of converted and I put different, you know, kind of it's become kind of my spaces, uh, uh, you know, it wasn't just a spare bedroom before, but um, pre-pandemic, I was not work for eight hours a day. I drove in in the morning, I went to work. Um, I sat in an office at work and did my thing there. And so you're not in really an environment that you're going to listen to music that much. I mean, again, I had a little Bluetooth and if I was on a project or something, sometimes I could close my door, maybe put some music on and listen while I was working. Um, You know, working from home maybe creates a more of an opportunity to listen to music. I'm in a less formal environment here. You know, certainly if I'm kind of work, if I'm not on a Zoom meeting or something, I certainly can put some music on in between and listen to it more. Um, my main music experience used to be pre-pandemic. You know, we have like different uh, office locations. So, uh, you okay. know, business travel, I would just pretty much jam out to tunes the most. I mean, either like listen to podcasts or just listen to tunes um, on yeah. my drive. So most of my music okay. listening was driving. Uh, right. You know, now most of it, you know, since I'm really not driving around for work as much now, more of the listening is here in my in my space, in my office here. And the type of music I, I, I listen to has changed. I may mean, still have all the stuff that I love, all my favorite bands mm-hmm. from back in the day um, that I'll still listen to. But I've really as I've kind of shifted more into writing and do a more creative work. I'm like totally mm. into ambient music right now. Okay. Like Brian yeah. Eno, uh, Moby does some good ambient music, you know, just yeah. kind of gets me into a flow a little bit. Uh, just kind of, it really complements. you know, I okay. don't know if I can yeah. like sit here, you know, turn it up Pearl Jam or, or Pink Floyd or the Beastie Boys or something else I liked back in the day would kind of get me into that type of state. But ambient music just really gets me into a good creative space. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. So before discovering that for other sorts of tasks, have you found something similar where certain types of music will help you focus or get, you know, engage with certain type of tasks. Oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely. You know, you have your workout music for sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I, whenever I'm working out, I got my playlist, um, of my, of my workout stuff, um, driving like before, like I've met before, if I was driving, you certainly certain mute, certain albums that kind of lend themselves to driving a little bit. Yeah. Um, 
and then yeah certain when you're just trying to kind of go into more of a creative space again i found kind of ambient music kind of helps get me into that flow a little bit but yeah there's always you know different tunes and different got over the years you know different songs or albums will just elicit different memories and take you back to different times in your life uh, i'm a really big fan of wilco um they're kind of like an alternative you know band they kind of started off a little bit like alt country and then they became okay. kind of more uh maybe alternative a little bit but um they have one album a ghost is born is the name of the album and okay. um I, oh i guess i'm gonna I, I, I won't go too far down the rabbit hole but it <laughs> okay I, it came out when my father was passing away kind of the, at, at the kind of end of his life and, right. and right after my father passed away, my wife and I started dating like about a month after that. So okay. like this album, A Ghost is Born by Wilco, is like the soundtrack of this okay. really super bittersweet period of my life. So right. yeah, long rambling answer there. But yeah, certain music to get me into certain states and then, you know, certain music maybe that takes me back to different times in my life that just kind of resonates maybe with what's going on at any other point in my life. Yeah, that's a really good point. There's a uh, there's an album, but I forget the name of the album. It's a, a band's Third Eye Blind. Yeah, and it was that there. It was kind of their breakout album. Had Jumper, which is the first really popular song, and then that's kind of the album that a lot of people know them by. There's two tracks on that album. I can't remember the name. One was called Motorcycle Drive By. I can't remember the name of the other one, but it was kind of similar. When I first heard them, there was some kind of tumultuous emotional stuff going on, right. so it was kind of linked to that that kind of sad state. And then what I found later on, like if something else happened and I was like, okay, I just need to like let some emotions out, maybe have a good cry away from people. Cause I don't like crying in front of people. <laughs> I put those songs on and right. it would like help me release those. Types yeah, of emotions. Yeah. yeah. There's nothing like music. Like I, you know, I, I don't know that I could, you know, kind of put words to what the emotions that music brings for us either you know yeah. a song with just the right perfect set of lyrics or just a a music even if sometimes you know the, the lyrics don't attach to it sometimes just the music uh yeah. will kind of will kind of take you to an emotional place like you know nothing else can yeah so i'm kind of curious with you because um you, know, you mentioned you're into stoicism and you've been into that for a bit and so I'm curious, has that changed as you've gotten into that? Has that had an impact on how you interact with music? Um, you know, I don't know so much stoicism, but something else I think you and, mm -hmm. else, you, you and, you and I have in common, uh, mindfulness. Mm, um, yeah. You know, definitely have been practicing mindfulness for, I'm, I'm going to ballpark around five, six years now of consistently okay. um having a meditation practice, specifically a mindfulness yeah. meditation practice. Right. Um, you know, so, you know, not, you know, transcendental meditation or anything else. I mean, I, I like mindfulness. Um, mm -hmm. I, the beauty of mindfulness is you can like, it's portable and you can take it into like, I can sit here and be mindful talking to John right now and just you right. be in this moment, not worrying about, Oh, you know, I have to start you know, cooking some stuff on the grill as soon as we're done here for dinner for us tonight, or, you know, what right. might be going on at work right now that, you know, you know, it's just, it's, it's being in the moment. So, um, I think that, um, 
enhances just about every experience in your life, the more you can anchor yourself into the moment. Mm -hmm. So especially like listening to music, you know, just kind of being present, you know, there's music you listen to as be kind of playing in the background. And it's, right. we all do that, you know, background music. Um, yeah. But you know, the more you kind of, you know, exercise your mindfulness muscle, any experience. So even listening to music, if you can be more mindful in it, you know, again, I'll just throwing out albums. I like a, an album, like, you know, again, Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd. If you're, you can listen to it as background music and cool. It's a great yeah. album. I, my personal favorite album of all time. Um, right. You know, you can listen to it as cool, but if you like were to throw on a, a, a pair of headphones and be in the moment, there's like all kinds right. of great stuff. I mean, it's like a whole nother kind of layer opens up. Of yeah. things you just wouldn't listen to or or really you know paid attention to like layers of paying attention yeah. you know there's just that surface of all right this is going on i got music going on in the background and you just kind of go layers deep um so i would say probably more than stoicism maybe impacting okay. how i inter how my experience with music you know maybe yeah. mindfulness a little bit more but i'll tell you what even still like stoicism and mindfulness go very well together yeah in, that makes sense in terms of just helping us kind of be more objective and maybe a little more uh present in, in our lives mm -hmm. so again you know anything that kind of helps you kind of come to the moment a little bit more and not worry as much you know all the grinding and worrying and everything it's you know something in the past where regret or something in the future we're nervous about or, right. or something our heads are just cooking up 99 percent of the time we're wrong anyhow and it's not going to kind yeah. of come to unfold like we're imagining it um anytime you can kind of dump that to some degree mm -hmm. you just kind of open up the door for kind of joy and awareness to kind of come in a little bit more so yeah um i think stoicism and mindfulness together just help you maybe get into that place a little bit easier and then you bring invite music into that space and yeah it's a whole different experience yeah awesome and what kind of role does music play in family life maybe um you know <laughs> I'm probably the biggest music fan of the in the family. Okay. Um, you know, but I would say as the dad, and you're a dad, John, so you probably mm -hmm. appreciate this. It's 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 my job to be the goofball of the family. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> totally. So I yeah, they hear me sing all the time. You know, they, you know, so they definitely and I will kind of help bring them into a moment, maybe go into a little dance and sing with me a little bit. So definitely dad's the the singer of the family. God bless them. Uh, <laughs> when the kids were littler, they they loved it. And they mm -hmm. used to love when daddy would start getting goofy and singing. They'd sing along with me. Now they're 14 and 12. So they're kind of cool. And they really don't, you know, they're like, dad, yeah. all right. And they roll their eyeballs and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, definitely like in the car, when we're driving as a family, we definitely got the tunes playing and, uh, you know, uh, it, it interwaves, interweaves its way. I think, you know, just like through any family, we're at the holiday time here and, you know, we, 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 we celebrate Christmas. So mm -hmm. definitely a lot of Christmas tunes playing, especially when we're in the car. And again, dad's usually singing along and trying <laughs> to convince everyone else to sing along with me. That's funny. Yeah. Cool. And the, yeah, obviously I see the guitar there. So you've started uh, learning somewhat recently, right? Yeah. So I bought, so this was my, my, my first guitar that I bought uh, way back in the day. Yeah. Um, I bought this, it's an Epiphone. 
can kind nice. of see the little guy yeah. that kind of get worn out a little bit. Um, you know, not a high end by any stretch of the imagination. This goes back to when I was probably about 25 or someone, something like that. I okay. had always wanted to know, learn how to play the guitar. And I think I just had a little bit of money in my pocket and was just kind of like, screw it. I'm going to go buy a guitar. So I just yeah. went up to the local music store and bought the, you know, most reasonably priced guitar that they had. Yeah. Uh, and it ended up being an Epiphone. And so, you know, I'm, you know, that thing's like 25 plus years old right now. So I have been farting around playing the guitar um, for 25 plus years. And I've never gotten above like the lowest tier of like, oh, you kind of sound like you know what you're doing when you play the guitar. <laughs> okay, uh, great. You know, I'm not going to sit here and you know, I'm certainly not going to do what you're doing, you know, picking up and belting out some songs. You know, I mean, I, I can GCD, I got A, I got E, you know, right. I kind of got the major chords down a little bit. The farthest I ever progressed with my actual playing was just some buddies. I actually got to a point where I had a couple buddies who uh, were good, better guitar players than me. And I right. could sit there and like GC, I could like rhythm a little bit. I could GCD and they would like do a little something more interesting on top of it. Right. Um, but yeah, so the, the learning it part is just, I, 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 my wife um, just recently got me some lessons. So awesome. I am going to, after we get through the holidays, um, up at the local guitar center here. She bought me, uh, I think, a five-pack of lessons to get me started. So oh, cool. I'm going to go take some lessons and see if I can't, like, kind of sort of pretend like I know what I'm doing with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a process, right? Everyone starts somewhere and everyone has a different progression of how yeah, fast yeah. they get, quote-unquote, better. But Right. And it's, you know, it's, it's I guess maybe it's a never-too-late thing. Absolutely. Um, just like for those of us in tech, you know, kind of... Um, it's never too late. Anything you kind of set your heart to and you set your mind to, um, never too late to start something new. So I don't know that this is something that's brand new for me, but definitely my first time I've ever gotten lessons. Yeah. So um, I'm sure when I walk into the guitar center, I'm, I'll be the oldest person there getting lessons, but that's all right. Yeah, it's all good. You never know. Might be surprised, but yeah, either right. way, like you, you said, know. like I said, you're going in there. That's what's important, but that's awesome. I'll, I'll look forward to hearing more about that as you're how you experience the lessons and what's yeah up. i don't know if i'll ever quite again be like you getting on and, and putting some video of me singing together <laughs> i don't have a good voice either but um yeah you know i i love guitars still like um there's two stores my uh, on the face here that are my happy places okay one is a bookstore yeah and there, okay. there aren't many of them left no, either like sad. Still, we have a barnes and noble mm -hmm. still i was just there this Saturday, and I'm looking over at my book. I my bookshelf. I bought myself some a new some new philosophy, Plutarch. Um, I'm like the only person in the philosophy section. I love. It. I go in there. I go to the philosophy philosophy section. I'm the only one. It's not a huge section, right? Um, but that's usually where I go. To. So I love bookstores, especially if you can find a good like indie bookstore or something like that. You know, yeah. you can you know um, you know a privately owned bookstore. Those are always cool. And then um, music stores like. Get me in Guitar Center and the, get me in the acoustic room. Oh, yeah. It's almost like walking into church, like yeah. just like all these guitars on the wall. Yeah, um, exactly. I love guitar. I mean, I've, I've never got that good at them, but I have this here. I have another one on my stand over there. I, I like having them around. Right. Um, you know, uh, it just uh, probably maybe just because of the fact that I've always just liked music so much. So 
I like having them there. I like picking it up, strumming around during the day. Um, you know, you get stuck on a problem or something. So that's cool too. Like when I was in the okay. office, I, I yeah. had a guitar in my office, you know, at work, but here at home, I can have a guitar close by and, and pick it up and strum it a little bit to help me think through something. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I do the same thing. Um, I'm not doing quite as much tech stuff paid to get as much tech stuff as you are right now. Um, but you know, if I'm learning some software, having to work on something and then my brain gets stuck, I'm like, I'll go grab the guitar. And sometimes that's where the videos come from. I'm like, well, I'm doing this. I might as well record it. Press record. (laughs) Yeah. So speaking of tech, obviously that's changed. Um, so what's that change with how you engage in tech been like over the past couple of years with that pandemic? Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's changed a lot. It's, you know, kind of a, really a sea change, you know, again, you know, two years ago, we, um, everyone went into the office, maybe 10% of the, with the company I work at right now, you know, maybe 10% of the employees work from home. Um, and the pandemic hits and, you know, it's, it was, you know, mine and my response, my team's responsibility to to get everybody home, you know, it's kind of started coming and we're like, okay, we, you know, know, we got to get people home. Um, so just the process and super proud of, of, uh, the tech team that I work with the IT team, how we, you know, did a great job getting everybody home. Mm-hmm. Um, and now here we are just like you and I in this zoom yeah. meeting, that's how we interact mostly at work through zoom or teams. So yeah. it's all very remote. And then we also, you know, I work for a home medical equipment company. So we, okay. we are a healthcare organization and we set patients up on home medical equipment. So things, oh, oxygen, CPAP machines, hospital bed, wheelchairs. So as patients discharge um, from hospitals or other more acute care type facilities, and they go mm-hmm. home and they need uh, medical equipment, you know, okay. yeah. we deliver the equipment and we provide the clinical care and education to help that patient manage their disease state from home. Um, so pre, you know, pre-pandemic patients come into the office to get, you know, a lot of cases. So we're like CPAP machines for a patient who has sleep apnea. They would come into the office and meet with one of our therapists and we would fit them for a mask and get them set up on their, on their CPAP machine. Um, So now again, pandemic, um, it all become remote. Now we do the the vast majority of that work uh, via telemed. Um, So we've, you know, kind of, we're using telemedicine more now. Yeah. to care for our patients. And we, you know, kind of use this very similar experience for, for our teams and how we engage with one another and how we do our work. So yeah, John, I mean, you know, to me though, it goes to show a little bit of the adaptability that we have. Cause right. when I went the day I went home, I was like, I, what am I going to do working from home? Like I've never worked from home in my life. Like I just, right. I, my head didn't, couldn't get a wrapped around how I'm going to work from home, but you know, it, it didn't take that long. It, you kind of just get into the flow. And, but I mean, when the question gets asked and I look back, I mean, you know, March of, you know, 2020, you know, March 1st of 2020 compared to what March 1st of 2022 is going to look like for me, mm professionally and how I do my work, it's, it's, it's a huge difference. Right. Yeah. It's been amazing having the tools available to be able to make a transition like that. Um, and then on the other hand, you hear about, well, one, there's like the zoom fatigue, right? Cause a bunch of people are just like, there's so many zoom meetings. Right. I'm tired of zoom, especially right. people who really get recharged more by in-person interactions. So like me, I'm a super introvert. So like, I'm actually kind of okay with having more zoom meetings because <laughs> I don't have to leave I, the dude, house. I, I am the same. I am 
I'm an introvert. Okay. Um, yeah. I, you know, I, I recharge my batteries recharge in yeah. isolation. Yeah. And when I go out amongst people, my battery starts depleting. Um, I still love being around people. Um, yeah, you know, absolutely. I, you know, I yeah. think, you know, I, um, you know, I think there, it's going to land in a happy meeting. Cause even now, you know, I've already been to like two or three conferences. I mean, it's, it's certainly opening back up. Right. So yeah. it's going to land somewhere in the middle um, and so I think it's always going to be a little bit of a fluid situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's, you know, it's definitely, I wouldn't have wanted to go for too, too long of that truly like just in your home all day long, never right. going out and doing anything with anybody. But as, as an introvert, like I'm totally cool, like working, like my default state being, I'm going to work from home, but right. I like that. I do get the opportunity now to get back out in the world and meet people for lunch. And, you know, once in a while, I go into the office, got a chance to go to conferences and everything. So it's, it's kind of landing at a good spot, but the worst part of it was for my kids. Like, you know, they're right. like at the time the pandemic hit, they're like 13 and 11. And then, you know, mm, yeah. could you imagine 13 years old and being sent into your room with a laptop saying, okay, you got to sit in front of this all day and pay attention. Like right. I would have yeah. been bouncing off the walls. I would have been horrible at, it, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, so it's just the social experience for the kids. And so, you know, fortunately they were able to get back for them, you know, cause for me, Again, I'm I'm 52. I'm like, hey, you know, I've 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 socialized enough in my life. I'm cool right. if I don't, you know. I mean, I could be pretty happy just hanging out with my inner circle here at home. But my kids, like, they they need to get out and they yeah. they need to socialize and they need to be around people. Yeah, that's really important for them at that stage, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so cool. So, um, and you're also, so you've been in tech for a while, but also recently, was it your son that started learning Python? So you decided to start picking it up with him also? Yeah. You know, my son's 14. So his interests jump. Just imagine yourself when you're 14. His interests just <laughs> jump all over the place. Right. But he's really a cool kid, man. He is like, so um, he is really into science and tech and like, okay. If you like catch him watching a YouTube video, he's going to like be watching about Elon Musk or he's going to be watching about like he's telling me like about the Goldilocks zone. Like he's watching videos about space and stuff like right. that. So <laughs> he bounces around and stuff like that. But yeah, it was like one day it was like, you know, I want to learn how to code in Python. And um, I was like, yeah, dude, let's do it together. Um, so, I mean, look, I mean, I, I graduated with a computer science degree. So, I mean, I programmed in my life and my you know, right. beginning of my tech career, I was a developer. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm not like, you know, I'm not like totally like, oh, cool. I'm going to like learn how to code. I've never done this before. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I definitely have coded before. It's not something I do day to day now anymore. I get to like hire and, and manage really great, brilliant developers. Yeah. Um, you know, but it's something that was kind of cool to get my hands on again. Kind of yeah, it takes you back to a different time and you're like, yeah, it's cool getting in front of code again. So yeah, I've started learning Python a little bit. Um, and I think it's just good, you know, mentally, almost like music, maybe a little bit, right. just good to kind of fire different synapses, just kind of going in there and, and coding stuff a little bit. So yeah, I've, right. I'm, I'm dabbling in Python as, as a hobby. Um, I'm certainly not going to be writing any code uh, where I work. They don't want me writing code uh, <laughs> at work anymore. I did that back in the day. I did some pretty cool stuff. I'm pretty proud of back in the day, but cool. uh, yeah, I, much smarter people do that now. So when you were getting started out, when you were doing coding, what languages were you using? Yeah, like C, C sharp, Ooh, uh, yeah. Okay. you know, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, you know, 
you know, it was very kind of business line applications, you know, not a lot of web stuff. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a bit, uh, but pretty much that's what I was using back in the day. Like right. VBA stuff. I mean, it's all boring stuff. Like when you get into a job, you know, it's like boring right. stuff. Like, okay, you know, we have to automate some, uh, you know, Microsoft Office applications and stuff like so VBA, right? And that kind of stuff. It's not as flashy, but they're still really powerful things, right? They can do th- amazing things. Yeah, they're just, yeah. They're just I mean, not as flashy. It's not as flashy. You know, it's all .NET stuff and all that. You know, so we go talk about like Web three and all that. Meanwhile, oh. I'm like trying to Oof. give me a good .NET developer, man. Like somebody right. who like come in and just like build you know, API, you know, business enabled applications and stuff, you know, maybe not as sexy as some of the stuff you see on Twitter, but still really, you know, necessary in the business world. Yeah. So speaking of Twitter, as you've suggested, you know, we'll have all these different trends and different languages or different ideas. We'll get a whole lot of tweets and traffic. um, But then that doesn't necessarily line up with what the industry's using or, or what you end up picking for the industry, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, I think it it just depends who you are, maybe what you, some degree of locally where you're at, of maybe mm-hmm. what's in demand, yeah. where you where you're living at. But look, man, there's a lot of cool stuff. I buy a lot of these like, kind of freelance, self-taught people who are just out there learning Web three and kind of going into that right. wild wild west. <laughs> uh, you know, if I was younger, that might there there definitely be some appeal there but um you know there's definitely i think a good school of thought of like just learn programming principles like try not to get too carried away with the thought of like i'm going to become a millionaire you know doing web3 applications um you know maybe you will i mean i certainly wouldn't want to discourage somebody if that's where their heart's at to go after that kind of stuff right but you know probably you know a lot of room for just kind of learning you know, the core, the basics of programming, Python, JavaScript, stuff like that. But then, yeah, just having kind of being in tune in your local market of what's mm-hmm. what's in demand. Cool. So I'm kind of curious, bringing it back to parenting, you know, we, we've both seen tech change in various ways over the years. And even now thinking about like social media, for example, um, how do you think about that and maybe how do you even talk about tech especially like social media with your kids because that's i mean that wasn't around when i was growing up so my parents didn't have to think about that like the web wasn't even really a thing yeah i mean look their tech has advanced so much again i don't mean to sound too much like oh when i was a kid you know i mean but i mean look (laughs) even at 52 like how tech has changed yeah like when I was a kid, even when I was like in my early 20s, like we didn't even have cell phones, which is like, right. honestly, I think it's a good thing. I can imagine the trouble. Like back in the day, like you know, if you wanted to call somebody, you'd have to like get a quarter and go to a payphone or something. You Like, I mean, now it's just like, who knows kind of the, the things you can do in a spur of the moment that are easier to do right. than it was back in the day. But um, for kids, yeah, look, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's scary out there. Mm. Uh, in the world of social media. So like, again, my, my kids got phones when they were 10. That was the okay. age we said, okay, you can have a phone. Okay. But um, we're still keeping them off social media. Like that, my daughter, right. you know, she wants TikTok. She's asking about TikTok all <laughs> right. the time. And I'm a little bit, I guess, a boomer when it comes to like the social media stuff. Like I'm like, eh, you know, you don't, you don't need TikTok. You're good. You got time until you start kind of going into that world a little bit. Right. So, you know, they have their, their devices and they play their games on them, but I'm trying to 
kind of hold off the social media thing. I just, it just feels like there's a lot more damage for a kid that could be done in that environment than oh, help. Absolutely. Like for me, as a, I mean, I can go into Twitter and yeah, Twitter's toxic, but I'm, again, I, I'm old enough now and with mm-hmm. stoicism and with other things I've learned along the way, I just ignore that stuff. Yeah. Like, I'm just going to ignore that. I don't care. I'm going to find the people and the kind of the community. And if you do that, like good. Twitter's like a bright, shining utopian. <laughs> I might be going a little far, but like <laughs> Twitter is like an awesome place. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. You're going to have haters. Uh, so every once in a while, I'll post something. Some hater will come along and, and put some comment in. But I'm like, I have the um, have the um, kind of uh, the benefit of age and maybe a mm-hmm. little bit of, of uh, like, I don't care. All right. <laughs> right. You want to like hate on me? Cause I said, you know, I'm not usually posting content that's going to elicit, you know, too many haters, but from time to time I'll get something. And it's like, ah, there you go. fine. Yeah. All right. I mean, again, right. stoicism will come to the rescue that I, you know, I can't control what you feel. Um, right. That's fine. You're entitled to your opinion. Um, but for a 13 year old, I mean, you know, come in, it could be devastating. Yeah, absolutely. Somebody, you know, hates on what you say or cyber bullies you. It just, it just feels like a frontier that I just don't know necessarily what the benefit is for them at their age versus the harm that, and even with just the games they play, you know, you yeah. go online and you know, I'm like, ugh, you know, try, try to keep them offline on the game. So yeah, I'm, I'm in tech. I love tech. The kids have had gadgets. You know, we all love gadgets here. I love gadgets. So they play with their gadgets, but yeah, the social media thing, I'm like trying to pump the brake on a little bit. Oh yeah, absolutely. We're this, I mean, our two younger ones are way too young for it anyways, but uh, my 13 year old, her mom and I talk about stuff and we're like, yeah, we just want to as long, basically as long as we can avoid her right. getting on it. Cause there's just so much stuff that's not worth it. And like you said, you know, once you're an adult, you have coping mechanisms and you can kind of be more intentional about it. But you know, before a certain age, it's, it's, it doesn't really seem worth the risk to us. So, yeah. So yeah, we're taking a similar approach. Yeah. Makes sense to me. You know, they, they, they'll have, they have time, they have plenty of time, you yeah. know, yeah, there's lots of time. They got time. They'll get a little bit older and yeah, I mean, I'm not, you know, obviously, yeah, you're going to go into that. You know I mean? My son actually just got this. He wanted to jump out, get on a discord server with some of his buddies. Okay. So we just yeah. gave him this. He just got, so he's slowly kind of going into that a little bit. He hasn't really pushed too much on it. More. My daughter wants to get on TikTok. <laughs> right. So I'm kind of curious. Um, so for like, for me, I found, cause I've always been in the tech stuff, but until recently it was more like hardware type stuff. It was you right. know, 38 is when I started learning the code when I got into university. Uh, so now I'm, that's a whole nother aspect of tech that I'm into. So there's all these different sure. things I can get into, but the more I've gotten into it, I've almost felt more of a pull, but especially with social media, but almost a pull to like be more intentional and in thinking about how much I'm engaging with things and thinking about, which I'm not always best at, but thinking about kind of planning at least some sort of break from tech, especially from screens, because you always have information. So I'm kind of curious if you have any thoughts on how you set up boundaries for yourself or boundaries you recommend for your kids, that sort of stuff. Yeah, personally, I kind of suck at it. I'm not the (laughs) guy you want. I mean, you know, I, I, you know, I, I try to um, be present when I'm with my loved ones, yeah. but I'm guilty of looking at my phone too. Right. Um, you know, it's, it, it's, def- I'm a, I am definitely a work in progress. Um, mm-hmm. 
I'll say this, it all starts with awareness. And I know it's something yeah. I got to get a little bit better at because it, it's easy. I mean, it, it's designed in such a way it's very easy to slip yeah. all the dopamine receptors and, oh, did I get a follow? Did somebody like this? Did somebody exactly, subscribe yeah. to my newsletter? Did somebody purchase my product? There's like kind of this natural inclination to kind of get pulled into this to check on what's going on. And I've always been I don't, I don't, I'm not making any excuses. I know I'm, it's something I, you know, I, I, I need to get a little bit better at, but there's something in me too, that um, even pre-social media, um, like I also oversee, uh, well, I would say pre-social media, but like I, in my job, I also oversee e-commerce for our okay. company. Yeah. And uh, even before I really started getting active on social media, I would always have this inclination to want to go in and see if, if check our sales. Check right. our sales, check our sales. There's there's something maybe in our brains that are wired to want to check in on these things. And, yeah. and you know, maybe if you're, I tend to be a little bit ADD uh, myself a little bit and easily distracted. So oh yeah, me too. <laughs> kind of tend to be very shiny object driven, but again, mindfulness helps mm-hmm. um, with the awareness at least. And yes, there's certainly plenty of times where that, that urge is there, but I'm like, no, I'm with my wife right now, or I'm with my kids right now, or I can leave the phone over there on the table. I, I don't have to go grab it. Uh, it's yeah. probably good that I don't have it next to me right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We do some, and I'm just as bad too, especially when it comes, my wife has managed to avoid being on social media. She was on it at one point and then decided to get off. Uh, so she's spends almost no time on social media. She read like news articles and things like that. So that's what right. will suck her in sometimes. Uh, I'm the one that's on social media. Like I mostly leave Facebook alone now, but you know, Twitter, uh, especially after finding tech Twitter, cause it's a great thing. Like I kind of accidentally failed to com- found that community right. and it's been a really great experience for the most part. I just, sometimes I have to be like, okay, I'm actually spending too much time. Like I'm just not really accomplishing anything right now. Right. So let me put the phone down right. and actually go do something and then come right. back to but it. You said an important word there, John, and as we're kind of talking about it, you know, that intention, you know, that intentionality, mm. yeah. which I think even comes to kind of how you manage your day. Yeah. So for someone who still gets maybe distracted a little bit, I still might build my day out in such a way to support making sure I'm going to get things done that need to get done. Yeah. Um, you know, so there is a degree of kind of discipline, time management, and everything that come into play that, you know, for people who maybe could tend with left to their own devices could go down who knows right. what kind of interesting rabbit holes or uninteresting rabbit holes. Um, I have kind of systems in place. I'll hold up an example of like something I do that's still a little analog. Like I still okay. will print my, my, I have, it's all I have. I'm not a big paper guy, but I still have my calendar for the day that, you know, kind of, uh, I have my, my calendar of what I'm supposed to do and my tasks of what I'm supposed to do. So okay. yeah. it just helps anchor me back. And again, I'm, I'm a digital person. 99% of what I do is digital, mm-hmm. but I'd say there's three things that I do on paper. Still read. I like mm-hmm. to read physical books. Right. Um, I journal and I like to journal with paper and pen. I, again, back to what we talked about writing and kind of that act of writing makes yeah. it a more meaningful experience. And I like to have my kind of my one daily plan sheet out to help anchor me back to the things that I need to get done today. Cool. So yeah, you've done a really good, you've, done a mix of using the digital tools and using them to affect and then still maintaining the analog or you know, old school, however you want to call it yeah, and yeah. making that coming up with effective strategies that work for you. 
Yeah, I mean, this is the, again. I, I throw the word boom around a little bit. I mean, this is my Microsoft. <laughs> this is my Microsoft Outlook. Again, in the real okay. in the business world, we use Microsoft Outlook, right. but it's a great it's a great uh, time and task management tool as well. So it's yeah, my system is digital. This is just my uh, my helper. I print yeah, out the exactly. one sheet of my day, and then I kind of if I need to jot a note down real quick, it's there. And again, I can always look back and say, all right. It's four o'clock. Yeah, I got a, a, a podcast uh, chat with, uh, with John, you know, yeah. so it always kind of anchors me back to when my brain starts maybe getting a little lost, like whoosh, anchors me back. Okay, I know what I'm supposed to be doing right now at this Yeah, time. yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, my problem is with, with uh, like written count or, you know, physical calendars, I tend to misplace them. So yeah. for me, having the digital calendar on my phone has been great because because I'm yeah. forgetful too. So I can open it up and be like, okay, this will have to go in later on. So yeah, yeah, everyone's yeah. got to find their own methods that work for them, right? Exactly. Cool. So we are coming up to time pretty close. Um, now, I know you've recently released a book, which I've read through. It was great. There's some great reminders in there and some new things I hadn't learned, but also some great reminders. Um, so I'm definitely going to be taking advantage of some of that. Would you like to say something really quick about it, maybe? I know I kind of threw that at you last minute, but. Yeah, no, no worries, John. Thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah. So the book is called The IT Leadership Blueprint. Um you know, real quick, you know, I started writing like maybe about three years ago or so. And it just was something I was really painfully slow at, but I always kind of wanted to write a book, kind of taking all the things I've learned in my 20 years in tech and mm -hmm. trying and put it into something that can help other people in tech um, reach their potential. Um, you know, so once the pandemic hit, you know, kind of we talked about that commute time that really turned in my creator time and back to the ambient mm. music. Like I usually come up yeah. in my office, like around seven o'clock in the morning after I kind of go through all my morning stuff, I'll come up into this space. And I usually got a good hour to hour and a half to just write. Awesome. Um, so kind of, that's what I've kind of gotten back into during the pandemic. So I kind of took this, this thing I always wanted to do and finally actually started writing. So yeah, that's become the IT leadership blueprint. Um, again, just my 20 plus years in tech, all the different soft skills and unique skills. You know, we've talked about stoicism, mindfulness, I talk about that and a lot of other soft skills and how you can use those skills in tech to be more successful. Yeah. I really love the framework you had of calling them power skills where you're mixing what people might call hard skills or technical skills and soft skills, but then coming right. up with that, that different framework of calling them power skills. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. appreciate that, John. Thanks. Yeah, Awesome. Anything else you want to plug that you're, doing on social media or anywhere else that you want to want people to find you? No, right now. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm probably most active on Twitter. I do a little bit of stuff on LinkedIn, but you know, you can find me at McGill MD 921 on Twitter is where I'm a lot of the stuff we've talked about. It kind of, we'll be talking about on Twitter as well. Yeah. I got the book out now, the IT leadership blueprint, and I'm starting to, so kind of like this writing thing, I'm starting to work on my next one, uh, it's going to be stoicism for IT professionals. Um, it sounds like a weird mishmash, but I can tell you, you know, we talked a little bit about stoicism. It's probably been something that's helped me in my tech career as much or more than anything else is kind of approaching my career and approaching my job with some stoicism. And uh, yeah, looking forward to kind of putting that together. Yeah, I'm looking forward to reading that. That'd be awesome. So it was good Thanks, chatting man. with you. Uh, yeah. well, I'll catch you on Twitter. All right, John. Good seeing you, man. We'll see you on Twitter. Take care.
I hope you enjoyed that conversation. If you're not connected with Michael already, go follow him on Twitter. His handle will be in the show descriptions. So go check out his content, interact with him, puts out a lot of useful stuff. Great guy to be connected to. I'll also put a link to his Gumroad so you can see the books that he has available so far. He also has the Practical Stoicism course. Uh, So if you're interested in learning about Stoicism, be on the lookout for those cohorts and when they're available to sign up for. Um, I've got, as far as his books, I have the IT Leadership Blueprint and Think Like a Lion. They're well written, have lots of actionable information, and they are well worth getting. There will be more conversations coming soon, more one-on-ones with some other great folks, also recordings of Twitter spaces. Uh, So come back, subscribe to hear more conversations. I'd love to hear your thoughts also. So hit me up on Twitter. You can find me at John David Soto, the number one. That wasn't intended to be like a boast about me being number one or anything. I just needed a number. Anyways, John David Soto, the number one. Send me a message, interact with me on Twitter. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, Take care of yourselves. Bye for now.